I really do think it's important to make sure that you budget to pay trades. If you can do elements of the project and save money and get enjoyment out of it, well and good, but make sure that if you get tired and you're over it, that you have got the budget in order to get the job finished. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Renovates. Now, I want to to talk to you about the things that I've learned doing a reno with millennials. But I think it's really more about the value of doing projects intergenerationally. So the benefits of working together, in this case with our children, to do a project that things need to be done a certain way. And if there's something that I've learned out of this project, that there are so many ways that you can tackle a problem. And Stephen and I have not done a project in this way for, I reckon, about 25 years. And we really enjoyed it. So in terms of the Avo Smash aspect of this, I'll sort of outline what we're doing for anyone that doesn't know. But just preface it by saying we took on to do a project with each of our children in order to get them a decent chunk of money to kick off their property journey. And so we did the first one with Hannah, our oldest daughter, who is a finance person, I guess you'd say. The second one with David, who's an architect. Now this is the third one with Madeline, who is a secondary school teacher and her husband is a basically teacher's building at TAFE. So we've got benefit. And I guess The first thing to say is that we sort of structure the project around the strengths and the skills and the preferences of the particular child that we're working with at the time. So when we did the project with Hannah, she was in Melbourne, we were in Sydney, so we pretty much took responsibility for the project. But she still had a lot of input when you're making decisions about what light fitting. She did a lot of ordering. There's plenty of things that you can do even though you're not on site. So she ran the spreadsheet. So really finding the strength of the partner, and I'm saying partner because the same principles can relate to anyone that you're doing a project with, is important so that everyone feels valued and what they're doing is contributing to the success of the project. So the second project with David, now obviously he's an architect, he did obviously the drawings for the project, but he also did quite a few little DIY bits and managed the majority, all the trades really. And so from his point of view, from our point of view, it was great because we didn't have to do too much. But from his point of view, as an architect, you don't really get that up close and personal with a project ever. And so for him, it was a good learning experience because any projects they do through a builder. So he was able to get skills around managing a trades and so on. Now, this is the third project. And obviously, we've come down from Sydney and Wollongong to really push this ahead, mainly because getting builders here at the moment 
it's quite challenging. And I have to say, because we had a builder on the team, we didn't try very hard. And had I been doing this, I wouldn't not do a project because builders are hard to get, but I would have gone about it differently. But the fact that we do have someone on the team has really made it quite a bit easier. I was mentioning to the Wonder Women this morning that, you know, we just talk about, oh, maybe that wall can come out and next time I turn around and the wall's gone. You know, it's just been very, yeah, action-packed. And so Madeline and Luke and their three children have come down and Stephen and I have come down. We've each got a caravan. And so I think one of the benefits is just building your relationship, spending two weeks with together. We've got a lot closer to the kids. We have evenings around the campfire. It's not too uncomfortable because we've got nice plumbed caravans. And so it really is a Renault holiday. But the other thing I wanted to say is it's not about giving the kids money. It's about working together to produce that outcome. Now, I did a quick video yesterday on the potential outcome of this project. And so basically, this property was bought for 540000 Before we bought it, I had a conversation with the town planner. So basically, what I was saying is that there's, it's a two-way street. It's not really about giving anyone money. It's about teaming up to do the project together. So the outcome of this one, will we will each own an investment property, a new investment property that will have probably 20 to 30% equity, actually it's closer to 30% with no, none of our own money in it. So that's going to be the upshot. So we'll be the beneficiaries as well. And the other thing is that since we started this project, Stephen has retired. So we don't have the same borrowing capacity we used to have. And so it can be a two-way street. So often older people are concerned about not being able to borrow money. So whereas the millennials can have jobs and can borrow money but don't have the asset base in order to be able to use your equity for cash, then it kills two birds with one stone. So it really is a marriage made in heaven. So I wanted to talk about the things that I have learnt this week as well. And the first one is that they are very pushy, okay? So I've learnt that I can be much pushier than I am usually because I have seen how they operate. They certainly... Luke, and I think that's probably around being a builder himself, he's confident about what he's asking, but he really does push the envelope and get the most out of his trades. And that's definitely, like, I think I'm pretty pushy, but I think I could take it to a whole new level. And it's not like pushy as in inconsiderate, it's being assertive and making sure that you get what you pay for. I have learnt some a few tricks around managing the budget. So one of the things that we planned for was to have a lot of panelling in the house, VJ panelling, which even just supply alone is really quite expensive. Like a sheet of VJ board is around just shy of $100. That's not the wet area, VJ. What we decided to do was to buy boards Okay, VJ boards. So on one side it's VJ, the other side it's shiplap. It's just plain pine. 
And as a result, we have saved thousands of dollars because, you know, you talk $90 a sheet and you can, that adds up to two or $3,000 pretty quickly. So just by using the pine boards, we saved ourselves several hundred thousand. And to be honest with you, it's easier to handle. Madeline and I actually installed most of it. So if you're into to DIY, then yeah, that's a great shortcut. The other thing is they think about how much work something's going to be before they launch into it. So we were having a conversation about the kitchen and I really wanted to paint the kitchen, but they had the experience of having already painted their kitchen and they said that it's a major exercise to do. It's a lot of work and suggested that we see if we can find a way of, I guess, working the colour of the kitchen into the colour scheme. So what we decided to do was to embrace the off-white, it's off-white, the kitchen, and bring our accent colour into the panelling along the front of the island bench. And it not only saves us a lot of work, but it also enables us to not have to worry. If we're putting it on Airbnb, if you've got a painted surface, you're worrying about whether they're going to chip the paintwork and so on. So, yeah, so that's a big saving in time and it enables us to be confident of our product and not be worrying about it chipping. The other thing I learned is that when you're installing insulation, because we have some walls that we have built and some walls that we've stripped back, that it gave us the opportunity to insulate the walls. If you don't have that insulation packed tightly, so if you have little gaps in that insulation, it reduces the R rating of the insulation. So while you might think that you have nicely insulated walls, if it's not packed in well, then you can reduce the effectiveness of the insulation, which is, it's a bit of a downer. So you want to make sure that's installed well. Another thing I learned that, so in the living room was this ugly heater, the Renai heaters, they're painted sort of a beige and chocolate brown. And in my plan, I was just going to rip it out because it's, I perceived it as being really ugly, but it's pretty much brand new it's not very old and the first night we were here it was absolutely freezing so I realized that we definitely need heating so I had to pivot so basically what we did is went and bought some cans of pot belly black heat activated spray paint in a black pulled all the parts of the heater apart and sprayed it pot belly black and put it all back together. And seriously, it looks brand new. So a great little hack for bringing a heater back to life. And I'll add some images into the show notes of this episode. The other thing is I have rekindled my love of DIY. Stephen and I have, like, we took years to wean ourselves off DIY and we're right back where we started. We've really loved it. That doesn't mean we're going to be doing all our projects DIY because that's not smart strategically. But 
basically what I've been doing, because we talked the other night about what we've got left to do. Do we come back? So we can only come down in holidays. Do we come back in the school holidays and do what needs to be done or do we pay trades to do it? And what we came up with was a 50-50 mix. So we're definitely paying a painter to paint the exterior because that's quite a big job and we think it needs a professional. Where obviously we'll have the plumber and the electrician and the tiler finish off before we come back. But we are going to come back and lay the floor, paint internally and do a few other bits and pieces, landscaping and so on. I think one of the things about the things that we've done ourselves is we've gone the extra mile. When you've got a tradesman coming in and coming out and trying to make every minute profitable, they don't have the time to spend on those little details. But because it's our project and the details are important to us, we're willing to spend a bit longer. But in reality, we have only spent two weeks here and the next time another two weeks and we will have the project completely finished. So I think that's a pretty good use of time. I guess I would add a rider to that and say that I really do think it's important to make sure that you budget to pay trades. If you can do elements of the project and save money and get enjoyment out of it, well and good, but make sure that if you get tired and you're over it, that you have got the budget in order to get the job finished. There is nothing worse than that feeling of being really bogged down in a project and feeling like the whole project, the success of the project relies on your back. And that can be a recipe for burnout and disaster. So while yes, we've loved some of the DIY that we've done, we're not going to be launching into 100% DIY projects because it just doesn't make sense. That's Probably, I guess the other thing to share is we didn't have in the plan to put a new roof on, but we are putting a new roof on. Incidentally, there were two things that didn't come up in the building and pest report. One was the roof and the other was the footings. Okay, so what we found in the middle of the house in particular, one of the footings was like sunk right into the ground. And so Stephen and Luke actually installed a new pier either side of that footing. So it's been replaced with two, but they're not directly in the same place. And having seen it done, I think I could do it. It's not rocket science. But anyhow, we'll move on from the DIY conversation. But yes, so they're probably the main things that I have picked up over this project. The other thing I want to mention is I am loving working with regional trades. They have been amazing. So we started here with no trade team and we have so far secured a fantastic plumber, fantastic electrician, a plasterboard guy and also roofer. So, you know, within a week, we had our team organised. So don't worry if you don't have a team. It's not that hard. Lastly, last tip is build rapport with your trades with beer. So I notice 
that every time a trade finishes up, Luke will go to the fridge and get out some stubbies to give them to take away. It just seems to be their language. And I know I've done lots of trading cartons of beer, but even just uh, one or two stubbies, it's appreciated. And it just really, I think, sends the message that we're grateful for what you've done. So, yeah, so if you've got any questions or comments to make, love to hear those in the comments below this video. Just before I go, there's two things I want to sort of mention. I am doing a daily video on this project and that's in TikTok and my team is syndicating it across several platforms. I met a lady on TikTok who was asking about the Avo Smash strategy because she has a disabled son who has saved 100000 which I think is flipping epic. And I was talking to her about the fact that she he probably doesn't need money from her just really support. Anyhow, the other day I got a message from her to say she's coming to Achuka on Friday and she'd like to meet me. And so I messaged her back and she said, I really want to help my son. And she said, I'm only a nurse. I'm not an entrepreneur or an investor. And I thought, isn't that typical? Well, you know, I wrote back to her and said, I'm only a nurse too. And it really, I think, epitomises the women that we work with. They don't see themselves as being entrepreneurial or investors, but that's exactly what they are. The fact that is looking outside the square to solve a problem. Another thing about women, we're always thinking about solving the problems of our family and the people we love and using renovating to do that. So that made my heart sing. And so I'm looking forward to meeting her tomorrow. The second thing is we are running a webinar next week. So this hasn't been promoted anywhere yet, but next Thursday we're running a webinar and it's a 90-minute workshop on the 100K renovation strategy. There's probably four key differences between someone who does a reno on their own home starts out just like Stephen and I did we started by renovating on our own home learning by trial and error and someone who wants to go into renovating professionally to make a significant profit and given that a lot of people are spooked by the interest rate rises I thought what's one thing that will make a difference and that's renovating because seriously, renovating is a superpower and you can add value and make money in any market. So the four key elements or the differences from being a like a hobby renovator to being a professional renovator, firstly, strategic planning. Secondly, the renovation scope. Thirdly, how you make decisions. And fourth, how you manage the time, the money, and the people. So we thought we would do a webinar on that, and that will be, well, it's not really a webinar. It's an interactive workshop next week. And if you would like to come and join us, just we'll add a link below the video and you can come along and learn about the difference between how a hobby renovator might renovate and how a strategic profitable renovator might renovate. So on that note, I'm going to sign off. I'm sorry about the agricultural way this podcast episode has been produced. I hope it's been of value and I'd love to hear your feedback. Take care.
This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.